Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good morning, everyone. It is Saturday, August the 20th, 2022. It is currently 10.53 a.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the studios right here in Abilene, Texas, the Theology Central Studios located right here in Abilene, Texas. I almost forgot the name that we're calling the studios, but wouldn't it make sense to call the studios the Theology Central Studios? Since this is the Theology Central podcast, you think that would not be something that I would just mess up live on the air right at the very beginning of a brand new series, but well, I did, so I apologize. Welcome, everyone, coming to you live from the Theology Central Central Studios. See, then you go back to correct it, and then you make the mistake again. Do, do we do take number three? Take number three, ladies and gentlemen, take number three. Welcome, everyone, coming to you live from the Theology Central Studios, located right here in Abilene, Texas. I hope you're having a wonderful day if you're listening to us live. As always, if you're using the Spreaker app, feel free to add your thoughts, opinions, perspectives in the chat. And if you're not listening to us live or you're listening to us live on a different platform that doesn't allow you to add your thoughts and comments, you can always email me, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com, because I am very very sure that everyone listening is going to have some strong opinions about the series we are about to begin. I I really do think everyone's going to have some strong opinions. So we're going to begin this way, and you know the way I love to begin things. I love to begin things by asking questions. But in this particular case, it's not even so much a question as it is an assignment. If you have the ability, I want you to take a piece of paper right now and something to write with, or you can open up the notes application on whichever device you're utilizing. But I really want you to try to answer this, all right? I want you to write this out. I want you to really think about it because by trying to type it out and write it out, I think it requires a little bit more thought because I think we need to give this some serious thought. If you were tasked, right? Let's say your pastor or a church contacted you and they said, hey, we need you to be here at 11 a.m., for a meeting. This is a very important meeting. This is going to greatly impact the future of this church. It's going to greatly impact the future of this ministry. And we need you to be here at 11 a.m. because we need your input. We need your insight. We need your opinion, right? So you show up 1055 because you don't want to be late and you walk in and they say, well, thank you so much for coming in. Here's what we need. All right. It's 2022. What we need to do is compile a list of three essential things that you think the church needs to be teaching the young people. The three things that you think the church needs to be teaching the youth. What do you think we need to be teaching the youth group? What do you think we need to be doing with the teenagers? What do you think we need to be teaching young people in 2022? And if you were to compile a list of three things, what would be your top three things that you think the church needs to be doing for young people or what they what the church needs to be teaching young people? Now, I really, I honestly want to see your list. I honestly want to see what people think, the majority of listeners, what they think the church needs to be teaching young people. And after you give me that those three things, I would really like your fair honest and blunt assessment. Do you think churches are teaching these three things or do you think the church at large is neglecting these three things? What three things do you think the church needs to be teaching young people? Now, what we're going to be doing here is we're going to be reviewing over the next, I don't know how long this is going to take. This, This series may take us almost to the end of 2022, But this is going to be a lengthy series where we begin to review every message that was preached at a recent youth conference. Youth conference. They stand behind a pulpit. They're preaching to teenagers. They're preaching to the youth group. What did they preach? What did they teach? We're going to review it in real time together. I did not listen to it in advance, but we're going to listen to it together and just try to get an idea of at least one example of one very large church, very well known, what how they are approaching 
youth ministry, how they, what they believe these young people needed, needed to hear. Because I mean, they have the audience right there. They've got the young people there. It's a large church. I'm assuming there were lots and lots and lots of teenagers there, probably in the hundreds, if not in, in the thousands. This large gathering of young people Here's a church in 2022. What did they do with that opportunity? What did they feel was this needs to be the priority? Because clearly every message preached at this youth conference is going to indicate at least from that church's perspective what they thought was the most important thing to teach young people. And we're going to compare what they did with hopefully I'm going to get uh, hopefully I'm going to get like lots and lots of emails with everyone's list. But I want to know what you think the priority should be. We'll compare your list with what they teach. Now, we could also do this. We could, we could really make this a game. Before, now, you're, going, you're getting ready. We're getting ready to review uh, episode. Well, I guess we'll call it session one. We're getting ready to review session one. But it would be interesting, like at this moment, what do you think they're going to cover? Like, it would be interesting to go, hey, all right, give me your, 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 Three things that you think will be covered in this conference, because I think historically, you kind of know when it's a youth conference, when it's a quote unquote youth group, you kind of know the subjects are going to be covered. It's almost like a template was handed down to every church. You get a, you get a group of young people, you teach this, you, you emphasize this, you cover this. And in some places it's, it's music, it's dress, it's dating, it's sex, sexuality, it's, it's pornography, whatever the case may be. Like in some cases, that's what you, you go with morality. Like in many, I think in many churches, I think it would be fair to say that their approach to young people is moralism. More than anything else, it's morality more than theology. I, I, I think I think that I can dogmatically say that. I think I think that that's the approach. So I, I think we can guess probably what's going to be covered. But I would I would love to know what you think should be covered. Now before we go to the audio, before we start reviewing session one, couple of things. Number one, just realize. That in many cases, there's no way I can review one of these sermons in its entirety in one episode of this podcast. So in many cases, it's going to be broken down. Like one session will take me two or three podcasts to take apart. Also, if I feel at any point when we're reviewing the sessions that, you know what, there's no real point in continuing uh, this sermon, we'll, we may just stop that one and then in the next episode, deal with another. But I'm going to try to review everything that was said only because I want, I want the speakers to be that their words are not taken out of context, but they're placed in the entirety of the entire conference. All right. So it, it, it's going to be, I, I'm not worried about how long this takes. It's just, you know, maybe Every other day, maybe once a day, I'm just going to grab the audio from the conference and we'll just work on it. And we'll just we'll just start with wherever we are. And hopefully we can move through this. It's going to be a long series. It's going to take us a long time. But I think I think the benefit of doing this is we really get to hear at least how one church approaches youth ministry and approaches teaching young people in 2022. Again, I want to hear I'm going to repeat this. I want your list of the three things you think the church needs to be teaching young people. Please send that to me, newsif at yahoo.com. Send it soon, all right? But I think it would be completely wrong. I think it would be completely almost deceitful if I don't just with full transparency offer up the perspective in which I'm going to be reviewing the, these this, these sermons and these messages to young people because I have a very specific philosophy to how the church should handle young people that typically is in the minority of the minority of the minority of the minority of the minority, okay? Most would disagree with me, all right? Let me start with first my view on, we'll call it summer church camp. Right, I have a very, very unpopular view when it comes to young people and the typical traditional summer church camp. I am one hundred and fifty thousand percent opposed to it. I believe that I cannot say this is true in every situation because that would be foolish. 
but what I have witnessed, what I have heard about, what I have seen, that church camp amounts to nothing more than emotional manipulation that leads to emotional upheaval and wild swings of supposed spirituality to a crash that I think is actually more detrimental to young people than it actually does any good. Now, I know some of you have wonderful memories of church camp, and it may have been absolutely transformative in your life. That's wonderful. I'm just going with my perspective, because here is, to me, the basic philosophy of church camp. First, remove the kids from their environment isolate them in a, in a specific setting, in many cases, cut them off from all outside influence. No phone, no music, no television, whatever. So you remove them from their environment. You isolate them in a new environment. You cut them off from the outside influences. And then in many cases, the teaching and preaching at church camp tends to very much Go after the emotions of young people. Young people are already emotional. They're already emotionally vulnerable. So in many cases, church camp becomes very manipulative, right? You've already, cut, you've already removed them from their environment. You've cut them off from everything. You've isolated them. And then you start, in many cases, whether intentionally or unintentionally, there's a lot of emotional manipulation, and, and in that setting, young people may make commitments to Christ. They may make commitments to be a missionary. They may, be, they may, they may start confessing sins. Who knows what? They go through a, a major upheaval, a major upheaval. So it's almost like remove, isolate, cut off, manipulate, and then indoctrinate. You, you, you drive into their minds this, this particular perspective, this particular perspective. And in many cases, you know, young people come back and they're like, yeah, yeah, we're going to do this. And then inevitably, a month later, two months later, three months later, there's just crash back to reality. Boom! And then they end up feeling foolish, or they end up feeling stupid, or they made all of these promises, and they made all of this commitment, or they had all of these emotional encounters, and now it just feels like, what was I doing? What was I thinking? Yeah, because you've been placed back into now the real world, and in many cases, all you were given was an, an emotional injection. I hate to say it. It's almost like you take someone and give them a taste of a drug, and then they you and they they go through all of the emotions and all of the the feelings you get when you take a drug and then at some point later when they come down off the drug they realize what what was i thinking and it it just usually ends up in a disaster it usually does not in every single case but it does over and over and over so i am not a fan of that entire concept the, the removing, the isolating, the manipulating, the indoctrinating, it, it, it almost sounds like a form of brainwashing is what it feels like to me. Um, my thing is, if you want to teach young people, you know, for some extent, intensive study, some in-depth study for the summer, you say, all right, young people, each, you know, each afternoon at noon, from noon to 5 p.m., be here at the church. We're going to do Bible study exercise. I'm going to teach you Bible study methods. We're going to do Bible studies. Uh, we're going to, we're going to work on this. We're going to work on this. You're going to have uh, work and assignments. You're going to break off into groups and, and make it fun, but it's just they're right there and they immediately go right back home. They have their phones. They're not cut off. They're not isolated. You're not trying to manipulate. You're just trying to, well, disciple. You're trying to, to help. But I, man, I've just seen so many people go off to church camp, come back so emotional. And then it's like, you know, I'm holding up a, a, a bottle cap here way up in the air. And it's like, <whistles> it comes crashing down and it's ugly it's messy, and I don't think it's very beneficial. So let me just start right there. I'm already opposed to that. So if they mention anything like that, you're going to hear my criticism, and you know that up front. Second, I think so much of youth ministry, to me, is an absolute embarrassment because it seems more focused on entertaining. It seems more focused on trying to either impress by being hip or cool, which usually just comes across as old people trying to be hip and cool, which just seems cheesy and just embarrassing and all in every way possible. Um, 
I just don't understand why the churches feel this necessity to constantly remove the young people from the normal ministry of the church. Like, why can't the young people be in the sanctuary listening to the preaching of God's word? Why do they have to be removed and then taken to some other classroom where then it's almost like there's a different kind of teaching that has to occur? It's got to either, it typically it re- reverts back to moralism. It, it reverts back to trying to be hip or cool or funny, which ends up sometimes being shallow. Why can't, I mean, to me, the preaching of God's word and a church should be for everyone, right? Older, younger, single, married. It doesn't matter anything. Everyone should be there because you're preaching God's word. Now, it's the preacher's job that as he's preaching to preach in a way that hopefully can be understood and grasped and relevant to as many different people sitting in a sanctuary at any one given time. I I just don't, I don't, I I just know from my own perspective, when I became a Christian as a teenager, the thing that irritated me absolutely the most about church was the youth group. I'm like, this is a joke. This is an absolute, why am I even here? What's the point? I could get, I could find I could find better Bible exposition on MTV. Okay, that's a little bit of hyperbole, but it was almost like I, I could sit at home and watch MTV. I'm dating myself, or um, or go to church, and I don't think I'm going to get anything better at church. It's just it's it's fun, it's activity, it's games. It's like let's let's do this, and let's go to Six Flags, and let's have this, let's have a pizza party, let's have a lock in. And I, at least my perspective was I didn't come to I'm not coming to church for your I hate to say it, your your foolish games. I don't need your your cheesy attempts to entertain me. I was coming to church because now that I'd become a believer, I needed to learn the Bible. I needed to grow spiritually. I needed to grow theologically. But I most of my spiritual growth and learning occurred not inside the church. It was outside the church. It was it was Christian books. It was Christian radio. It was I was learning from elsewhere because church. It's like you're a young person. Let's entertain you. Let's play some games. Let's we're gonna have a lock in. We're gonna have a pizza party. We're gonna do. We're gonna go to Six Flags. Aren't you excited? And I'm like, I don't need the church to do any of this for me. I don't need the church to entertain me. I don't need the church to do. What, what is this? I don't need any of that. How, how, and so then everything I would try, like, hey, maybe on Friday night we could get the young people to come up here and we could study Leviticus and, and you know, crickets and nobody. So I, I don't understand the church's desire to almost approach young people, can I say, almost as if they are not as smart, like they can't get it, like, oh, we can't be too deep. They're teenagers. No, I, I disagree. So my approach has always been: there's, you're, you're just, you're just viewed as ever, like every other person. You are a person creating the image of God, and you need the Word of God. And I'll teach you the Word of God just like I teach everyone else. I'm not saying that there ever, there's never a time you can't separate the teenagers, maybe for to to address certain issues. But I just feel like the. The goal of the church is to equip saints for the work of ministry. And what I need is the same thing they need, which is the word of God. And and what they need and what I need is not necessarily moralism. What they need and what I need is the exposition and in-depth teaching of God's word because it's the word of God that's the spiritual food. It's the word of God that helps us grow. It's the word of God that equips us. It's the word of God that protects us. It's just the preaching and teaching of God's word. So a lot of things, I don't know what they're going to say in this conference, but I take a, just a very different approach. I don't lie. I'm a completely opposed to church camp. And I just think most church youth ministries, I just, I just think it's a joke. I just don't get it. Like, like they hire youth directors more for their ability to quote unquote, be cool, hip and relevant to the young people, not their theological expertise or their exegetical expertise. It's, and I don't get that. What those young people need is theological knowledge. What those young people need is exegetical understanding of the scriptures. What those young people need is to start developing the biblical understanding of the word of God. Especially, I mean, if they're Christians and if they're not Christians, well, it, it's not my job to entertain them. 
My job is to say the church, remember the church's job is to equip saints. The church, the church's job is not to entertain sinners. The church's job is to equip saints. The, the church's job is not to entertain them. There's no place in scripture where we're called to entertain and have all of these activities and all of that. I don't understand why the church got, gets into that business. It's like we're, we're part church and we're part, I don't know, entertainment center. I, I, I don't, I don't get that. So I, I have, my, my perspective is, what the young people need is what everyone needs. So my list of what the young people need would probably be the exact same list I would say the adults need. I think the only time you really would separate in any meaningful way would be younger children for just maybe one hour of Sunday school because they're young. And so they need that kind of more clearly designed teaching for their age group. But by the time they get into their teens, they're ready to start listening to the normal preaching. I mean, they should already they should already have already been sitting in the sanctuary normally. I think other than the one hour of separation, I don't believe in children's church or any of that nonsense. I think you do one hour of teaching Sunday school for them, and then the rest of the time they start learning how to well listen to a sermon, how to outline us, how to take notes on a sermon, how to pay attention, how to analyze it. I, I think that's that's the direction. Now I know my perspective is in the minority. But I, I I think that these are put it this way. There clearly these are going to be points of disagreement. But I think those who disagree should at least reconsider, because we have a very we have a history of all the church's attempts to minister and to uh, to deal with young people, and I think we have a pretty abysmal track record of what we've done. We've produced a lot of professions of faith, maybe, out of our emotional manipulation, but I don't think we've seen massive success in young people being truly committed to the Word of God. Now, let's be fair here. This, and from my theological perspective, this is absolutely critical. You can come up with every gimmick. You can come up with every trick. You can come up with everything to manipulate, or you can come up with everything that not to manipulate and just to teach. The ultimate spiritual outcome in the life of a believer is ultimate, or in the life of a young person, or in the life of any individual, is ultimately, listen, the sovereign work of God. And I mean by that, salvation is not something we produce through our gimmicks and through our methods. Salvation is something that God does. Salvation is a work of God, which cannot be accomplished through parenting techniques, through parenting discipline, through grounding, through griping, through through bothering, through nagging, through entertaining. Now, in other words, we can come up with every parenting gimmick. We can come up with every church gimmick in the world, every methodology, every idea. You cannot, listen, you cannot make a kid a Christian. You cannot produce Christians by our man-made techniques. Christians are produced by the sovereign work of God through the spirit and the preaching of God's word. That's how that occurs. You can come up with every trick. You can manipulate professions. You can manipulate emotional responses, but you can, and, and you can, you can nag your kid to death and ground them and push them and say, you're going to do this and you're going to do this because we're a Christian family. Well, you may be quote a Christian family, but that doesn't mean everyone in the family is a Christian because they're simply born in a Christian family. Those in the family that are Christian are those who sovereignly have been regenerated and saved by the work of God. That is, that is something beyond any parent's control. That is beyond any control of any church. We, we cannot control salvation. I mean, think about it. No matter what your theological perspective is, if you're absolutely, completely semi-Pelagian, Pelagian, Arminian, and you believe absolutely 100% libertarian free will, it's still, that is beyond your control. If you believe the will is completely free from any external thing, well, they're going to exercise their free will, unless you believe you can manipulate their free will nag their, you know, nag them into making a free will decision, grounding them, pushing them, forcing them. I mean, as sometimes a lot of parents who believe in free will, they don't really want their kids to have a free will because they'll do everything they can to manipulate, to push, to, 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 to gripe, to threaten. And, and, and the church will come up with every manipulative technique to try to manipulate the, that free will. 
But if the free will is, if you force something upon free will or manipulate someone's free will, is that really them exercising free will? So I think a lot of people who believe in complete libertarian free will are inconsistent in their own theology. And I think many cases, those of us who believe in the sovereign salvation of God, that it's a work of him, many cases, we still try to come up with the same gimmicks and ideas and try to force and push and think we can do this and that we can somehow make our kids. Nobody can make their kids saved. No one can make their kids a Christian True in a born-again biblical way. You can make them a Christian in profession. You can make them a Christian just to get you off their back. You can make them go along to get along, but sooner or later, when they no longer have to go along to get along, then the, the real reality is going to show up, and then typically it's not so good. So those are some of my just basic ideas when it comes to a way the church should approach young people which I know is in the minority, and I have a very strong opinion that what we are about to begin our review of is going to have very different perspectives. But that's one of the things I love to do here on the Theology Central podcast. I have my perspectives, but we bring in and we listen and we review content from a different perspective, but we review it in a unique way, just for those who may be new to this podcast. Whenever we do review of a sermon or anything, I do not listen to it first. And the reason I don't do that is because I feel like I would be going through it, rehearsing my responses. What I like to do is, I, look, I saw, hey, this was this is at a large church in Indiana, right? Hammond, Indiana. Okay, you probably know which church I'm referring to. And um, they had a youth conference. I saw it and like, well, that's interesting. A youth conference in 2022. I wonder how they handled it. I wonder what they addressed. I wonder what they think the, the youth needed. I know what we'll do. We'll grab the audio and we'll start reviewing it. And, and we're going to do it in real time together. So I want you to write down your three things that you think the youth really need in 2022. I, I really, I really want to, you can, you can even let me know if you disagree with my perspective, because most of you will, that's perfectly okay. You can send all of that to me, newsif at yahoo.com, but we're going to start a journey through a youth conference in 2022 to see what they think, what we're going to try to like discover what they think young people need in 2022. We're going to listen to how young people are being preached to in 2022. Will we offer criticism? Yes. Will we offer critique? Yes. But I'm going to make sure we understand this. I'm not going into this knowing what's going to be said. So I'm more than willing, I'm going to be listening to this And I'm being more than willing to have my perspective challenged. I got no problem having my perspective challenged. And I got no problem in the middle of this going, you know what? I disagreed with that 30 minutes ago. They've changed my mind. I'm perfectly okay to do it. If you're not willing to do that, there's no point in listening to sermons. If your mind is already made up, there's no point. So here we go. We are going to begin looking. This is the beginning of a series that we're going to, I guess, entitle something like The Church And youth in 2022, how is the church addressing, preaching, and teaching youth in 2022? This is obviously not going to give us a comprehensive understanding. This is going to give us just one little snapshot of one large church in Hammond, Indiana, how they decided to handle it. And you say, well, why did you choose this one? I was looking at my podcast app and saw Youth Conference 2022, and I'm like, wait, what episode is that? Wait, let's go back. Oh, they've got the entire Youth Conference here. Well, guess what? If I'm going to listen to it, well, everyone who listens to the Theology Central podcast, they're going to have to listen to it as well. So are you ready? Are you excited? I know this has taken 28 minutes to do so. So we're not going to get very far in this one, but that's okay. I, I just felt that it, if I wasn't transparent with my perspective, when I start offering some criticism, you may not really understand my criticism, but now you'll go, oh, now I know why he's criticizing that, because his perspective believes that's completely wrong. And I believe so much about youth ministry is wrong. I completely just reject. I, I mean, to me, we should just basically... I, If you ask me, all youth ministries should just be canceled and just done away with. Youth, 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 youth pastors, they need to become real pastors, right? Just, we just need to get rid of it. And then the young people, for the most part, need to be sitting in the sanctuary with an open Bible and a notebook. If they are Christians, if they're not Christians, well, 
they're obviously free to visit, but I mean, my job is, the church's job is to equip saints. And then for the lost people, for the young people who are not saved, well, come and hear the preaching and hopefully they will hear the preaching and teaching of God's word and through the sovereign work of God, through his spirit and the word of God, they will be brought to faith in Jesus Christ. And then when they're brought to faith in Jesus Christ, then we teach them to obey all the things that he has commanded. But um, yeah, so there we go. Are you ready? Here we go. We're at 30 minutes. I know. That took a long time. But let's begin our journey to find out how the church is teaching young people in 2022. The church and youth in 2022. This is going to begin giving us a little insight, at least how one church thinks this needs to be approached. Here we go. Now, when I hit play, I, when, I, when I loaded this up in the software and hit play, it came in loud. So I've reduced the volume all the way down to 52%. Um, if, it's, if it's too quiet, I will increase it slowly. But I just, just be prepared because I don't want to, if you're using headphones or, or, air, or, or you know, any, any earbuds or anything, I don't want to, you know, cause you to lose hearing because it came in. I was like, whoa, they had the volume cranked on this. So, um, which I'd rather have them cranked than too low because we can reduce the volume. But uh, so it may take a little bit to get the volume exactly right. I'll, I'll monitor it. And if I think I need to change it, you'll know. So here we go. Hammond, Indiana, this summer, their youth conference, 2022. This is what we're going to look at to get an example of how the church is dealing and teaching youth in this in the year of 2022. Here we go. Go ahead and get your Bibles out tonight to the book of 1 Corinthians and the chapter number 10. 1 Corinthians chapter number 10. History is being made tonight, 50 years. It, it seems surreal to stand here and think about being a teenager in this conference. And when I was a teenager in the conference... People who were already grandparents had been teenagers at the conference. And now I have a son at the conference. This is his first uh, youth activity, first youth conference as an actual delegate. And I think about the millions upon millions of lives that have been and will be impacted because of the past 50 years of this conference. It is safe to say, and I would even group in all denominations, all different kinds of churches. I believe as I pray and think back and talk to people like my dad and others about the impact of this youth conference, the seeds that were sown and the heart. Okay. Um, so this, this youth conference has a long history. And they believe that it's had a massive impact on millions of people, I think, was the number they gave. I'm not going to say it's not true. I'm not going to say it is true. What I will say is that many pastors, not all pastors, many pastors and many churches have a very exaggerated view of their importance and of their impact. I, I, I'm sometimes blown away by how some pastors and some churches, like, they were just like, we, oh man, it was great, and this happened, and this happened, and this happened. But from the outside perspective, a lot of times you're looking going, wait, did, 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 is that really how it went down? Because I think it was just another conference. People gathered, there was some preaching, and people left. And I, I don't think there's any, well, I mean, what is the way you measure the supposed impact? What is the way you supposedly, supposed, supposedly measure the success? Maybe they measure it because they've got multiple generations of people who their grandparents were at the conference and then their parents were at the conference and now they're at the conference. But just remember, it's a youth conference, right? Let's, let's make sure we get something really, 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 really down here, okay? Because I don't know if you know how this works. In many cases, whenever you have a youth event at your church, a youth conference, a youth activity, many of those youth, I know this is going to come as a shock, are there because they're made to be, okay? because they're forced to be, because they are told to be. Or in many cases, it's either go to the youth activity or the alternative is something that they, so they choose the youth activity just because it's a better alternative. It's like two bad options, but I'll choose the best of the two. I know that that's very 
cynical and that's very, you may say, that's very negative, but I think it's very realistic that and that you, you whenever you're trying to measure some of these things you have to measure it under the idea that in many cases you have a captive audience and i mean that by they're actually captives right they're actually forced to be there they have no choice so i i don't know if just because well one gener i i don't i don't know just because of the young people there proves anything they're, in many cases, they're there because they have no choice. Now, I'm not saying that there aren't young people who want to be there, who aren't excited to be there. Just, I just find it funny sometimes how churches really exaggerate. Their, their, I think they perceive their importance to be much greater than it is. I think many pastors perceive their importance to be much greater than it is. Because if we look throughout, if we look at everything that we can find, I mean, think of everything the church, just think, think about it from this perspective. Think of everything the church was claiming it was accomplishing and say the 1990s, right? Oh, we're doing this and we're raising a new generation for Christ and we're winning this generation for Christ and millions of young people have made professions of faith. I mean, you, you would hear it all the time. All of these just, you know, big numbers and all the things we're supposed to be changing and that the future is going to be, you know, completely radically changed because this generation has committed their lives to Christ, the future. And look at the world now where many of those young people are now grown up and they're adults. Are they demonstrating uh, a, a generation that was, that was quote unquote, one to Christ, quote unquote, committed to Christ? Well, that generation in many cases are the, are, are the adults today. Well, what do we see? Well, everyone complains about how bad it is. So then what was those churches complain, uh, bragging about all of their great accomplishments? What did they really accomplish? They may have accomplished a lot of professions. They may have accomplished a lot of activity. They may have accomplished a lot of numbers. I mean, at some point, don't you agree that you can look back and go, we made some big claims. And now here they're making big, man, the millions of people impacted by this conference. Well, if every church is claiming that their youth conference has impacted millions and you start adding it up, you're like millions and 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 millions. At some point, you're going to be in the billions and you would think then for the whole society pretty much at a large should be dominated by biblical Christianity. But that's not the case. So what were they actually accomplishing? I, I'm sorry. I'm, I know that's cynical. I know that's negative, but I've just, I've been within Christianity for way too long now. So because in the 80s, I heard, oh, we're winning this generation to Christ and young people are rising up and they're taking the word of God and they're going back into their schools and they're winning their generation for Christ. Well, then we went from the 80s when, when, and then starting into the 90s when my generation was now becoming adults. Well, guess what? And people were like, they're, they're, the 90s are so out of control and, and, and the, what is happening to our generation? While, while everyone was complaining about the, what was happening in the culture in the 90s, Okay, that means the people who were supposedly one to Christ are supposedly now in charge. Well, we, we saw nothing but trouble. Well, at the same time, then in the 90s, the church was like, we're winning so many young people to Christ, and it's a, it's a revolution what's taking place, and it's amazing. Well, then those young people go into the 2000s. In other words, every time the church is, on one hand, claiming how much they're impacting the world, while they're claiming that, everyone's claiming how bad the world currently is. And then in the next generation, then the church is complaining how bad the world is. And everyone forgot that the previous generation of the church was bragging about how many people they were saving and changing. I, ju I just think at some point, all of our bragging and claiming about all the impact we're making typically almost always proves to not really be that accurate. I mean, what? I mean... I know this is a little bit of hyperbole, but if you listen to some people, some people's claims, what? I don't know. More people may became Christians at Billy Graham crusades than have ever existed in the history of the human race. In other words, I mean, the numbers like 50 billion people made a profession of faith to Jesus Christ at Billy Graham evangelistic crusades all across America. The whole world is now Christian. When we make those claims, 10, 15 years later, can anybody look around? Where are they? The people aren't in church. The people aren't studying the Bible. Where are they? Well, now they claim to be agnostic or atheist. Like, like I just think sometimes the church loves to brag about what we're doing. We love that. 
But we never bothered to go back and check to see was there any reality to those claims. I know this this is going to make me really popular, but okay, we're not we're not making it very far. I know. Here we go. Harvest grown from this conference. Actually, we're just going to back that up so that we can all hear it again, because I know I made lots of comments. Just listen to if you feel like there's kind of like, look at what we're doing, everyone. Maybe I'm misreading it. Go ahead and get your Bibles out tonight to the book of 1 Corinthians and the chapter number 10. 1 Corinthians chapter number 10. History is being made tonight, 50 years. It seems surreal to stand here and think about being a teenager in this conference. And when I was a teenager in the conference, people who were already grandparents had been teenagers at the conference. And now I have a son at the conference. This is his first uh, youth activity, first youth conference as an actual delegate. And I think about the millions upon millions of lives that have been and will be impacted because of the past 50 years. Millions upon millions of lives impacted. Just to, I, just, I just want you to take this one example and then times it by how many churches and how many conferences make those claims. I mean, you hear it all, the, millions and millions and millions and millions and millions and millions and millions. I mean, Mars Hill was making that weird changing millions and millions and millions of people's lives are being transformed because of the ministry of Mars Hill. And then you'll have, you know, a Saddleback or, or will every church, millions and millions and millions and millions. Well, at some point, just from pure, I mean, I'm not good at math, but millions upon millions upon millions, if, every, if, if thousands of ministries are claiming that millions and millions of people's lives are being changed, at some point, you reach that that's now in the billions. Well, if billions of lives have been changed, billions of lives have been transformed, billions of lives have been given to Christ, look around the world. There should be something radically different. We shouldn't be on one hand saying billions of lives have been changed, only the other hand going, the world is falling apart. It's ungodliness everywhere. There's sin everywhere. What are we going to do? It's like this. We, it's like we're schizophrenic. On one hand, we're like, billions of lives are being changed. On the other hand, we turn around going, the world is falling apart. And it's like, I don't know how we maintain two completely different ideas in the brains of Christians at the exact same time. And nobody, and it's almost like we've got to keep the two thoughts separate because if the two were to ever meet, somebody would be like, I think something is wrong here. Of this conference, it is safe to say, and I would even group in all denominations, all different kinds of churches. I believe as I pray and think back and talk to people like my dad and others about the impact of this youth conference, the seeds that were sown and the harvest grown from this conference, that this conference to the glory of God and God only has impacted the world greater than any other youth conference really in history. <laughs> wow. Were you, are you familiar with the youth conference held at First Baptist Church, Hammond, Indiana? Are, are you familiar with this one? Because supposedly it's the greatest youth conference in history. It's impacted more than any other youth conference ever. I mean, that is a massive claim. We're going to back that up just to make sure, again, that I'm not in any way misrepresenting. All right, here we go. ...of churches, I believe as I pray and think back and talk to people like my dad and others about the impact of this youth conference the seeds that were sown and the harvest grown from this conference, that this conference to the glory of God and God only has impacted the world greater than any other youth conference really in history. The amount of churches, the amount of missionaries, and then all of the multiplication from that would be staggering if we had a week to just show it on the screens. Okay, once again, this is, I just want you to hear that would be staggering. Like, in other words, he's saying it's so, the impact is so vast. It would be hard to even comprehend. It's basically innumerable what they've done. Well, I, I just, I just want you to consider how many ministries make these claims at some point from just a purely logical reason, just pure, purely a logical reasoned thinking it through, uh, taking it to a logical conclusion, well, at this point, basically the entire population should be saved. 
And the entire world is following Jesus Christ. So everything should be looking halfway decent. Not perfect, obviously. Still going to be sin, still going to be problems. But you should be looking pretty good. But I guarantee you, he's saying this now. But you listen, wait, I want you to listen to what's going to happen. At some point in this conference, I don't know if it's going to start in this sermon, he's going to begin to tell you how bad the world is, how bad the culture is, how bad media is, how bad the public school is, how bad everything, how bad everything is. At the same time, he's acting like that this conference has already pretty much transformed the entire world. How can you hold contradictory thoughts? I just don't understand why this happens in Christianity far too often, but I hear it all a lot in preaching. But I've just, I've been around this my whole Christian life hearing, well, lives are being changed. Millions, millions, thousands, thousands, millions, 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 thousands, millions, millions, millions. And you're like, okay, I've added them all together. The entire world has been saved 15 times over. There's no one else to evangelize. Okay, but then they'll turn around and go, the world is falling apart and the world is abandoning God and people are leaving the church and we've got a crisis on our hands. Well, why is there a crisis? Because you've already told me the whole world's been saved 13 times. Okay, it's like when it's necessary, promote our impact, but at the same time, remind everyone how bad everything is so that they will support us because we're the only ones making the impact. It almost seems like, I don't know, I don't know, I'm. Let's let's see where this goes. And all the connections that even the leaders and those that have gone to heaven, they don't even know the touch, the impact from around the world, from small towns, little places in southeast Iowa, towns that I know that they don't know, but that has been reached by bus captains, bus workers, former bus riders from the Chicagoland area, people that God has stirred their heart. When I sat on a platform and I came up at the end of the service and I said, I will be that one. I was scared. I was telling myself that I didn't really mean it and that I couldn't fill my dad's shoes or anybody else's shoes. But God did a work in my heart. It was the Holy Spirit of God that's at work. And that's what's happening tonight. And I'm just so honored and really overwhelmed to be a part of 50 years. Imagine going to the baseball Major League Hall of Fame or really any sports Hall of Fame. Imagine walking in and and looking back at the greatness of the sport, right? And all of a sudden, out of the display walks Babe Ruth. And tonight we have Brother Eddie Lapina. All 50 years he's been serving, been a... I, I don't know if using a Babe Ruth as a reference at a youth conference in 2022 is very relevant. Kids are looking around. Anybody know who Babe Ruth is? Who's Babe Ruth? Babe Ruth. I guess he was a famous baseball player. Is he, is, was he good? Was he significant? Does he have any videos on TikTok? I mean, I, I just I just find it funny that here someone mentioned Babe Ruth at a youth conference in 2022 as if it's a relevant example. That that's that I I don't know. You don't find I, I find that funny. Part of this youth conference. That's pretty incredible. And I know we've clapped for him, but I, I just think we need to recognize that again. The Babe Ruth of youth conferences. Let's give him a big round of applause tonight. To think about Brother Jerry Ross. The Babe you the the Babe Ruth of youth conferences. Maybe you could say the LeBron James of youth conferences. The I don't know, Tom Brady of youth conferences. I mean, couldn't you come up with something that, I don't know, somewhat relevant in 2020? I just find it interesting. They don't be like, I don't know who Babe Ruth is, but you tell me to clap. Yeah, yeah, okay. I would be interested. I would love to just look around and go, hey, kids, how many, how many of you know who Babe Ruth is? Nobody has a clue? Okay. Why are you clapping? Okay. Well, because you're told to, right? Because you got to go with the, got to go with the crowd. Okay. All right. The impact that he's had on our lives and probably everybody here through not only his preaching, his testimony, but the resources and stay in the castle and the teenage years of Jesus Christ and many others. And to think about Brother Reno Likens and the years. and The teenage years of Jesus Christ? Is that a book? Is that a book? I got to look this up. There's a book on the teenage years of Jesus Christ. Okay. Hang on. Are we getting ready? Are we getting ready to discover? 
discover something here. Okay, hang on. The teenage years, the teenage years of Jesus Christ. Is this the same? This is actually a book. Okay, hang on. Do we have any information here about this guy? Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming this is him. Um, it's called The Teenage Years of Jesus Christ. And does it have a description here? There's no real description. All right, we're going to save this. We may have to do, we may have to do some, we may have to do some work. This is called The Ultimate Pattern for Teenagers Today. The ultimate pattern for teenagers today is the teenage years of Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'm laughing because there's basically no information about the teenage years of Jesus. He's written a book about the teenage years of Jesus Christ that supposedly is to serve as the ultimate pattern for teenagers today. We've got to read that book. We've got to read that book. Okay, I'm going to add, in fact, I'm going to add this to the Theology Central Book Club right now. I'm going to add this to the Theology Central Book Club. I don't know if I'm going to be able to get to, we got so many things going on right now here with the podcast. There's always so many series, so many things we're studying, but I've got to make, I got to make that a priority. We've got to read this book because I just find it fascinating that someone, this is the Babe Ruth of youth ministry of youth conferences. And I guess he's the one who wrote the book, the teenage years of Jesus Christ, which is supposed to be the ultimate pattern for teenagers today. So the ultimate pattern for teenagers today is not what's actually recorded about Jesus, but what's not recorded about Jesus, right? I mean, I mean, you go find me, find me all the scriptures about the teenage years of Jesus. Yeah, go, go look them up. Try to find everything you can find out about Jesus when he was a teenager. I want you to write down four things you find in the Bible about Jesus when he was a teenager. All right. Okay, we, we, we got a lot of interesting things going on here. Here we go. Years, I visited his church when my dad was preaching years ago. And I got to set in teen church. And he had a heart and a passion and a love for those teenagers. In- teen church. Now, you see why I spent 30 minutes at the beginning of this giving you my perspective? Why? Why is there teen church? Why? Why? I do not understand that. I do not understand that. I don't, I hate the segregating everyone into different age groups. I hate that. We're, We're preaching the word of God. Everyone should be right there in the sanctuary learning Together, the word of God. Now, it's the preacher's job and the ability to be able to preach to to all of the different people uh, present. But I'm not like, we're going to segregate you over here. We're going to segregate you. I just, I'm not a fan of that. I understand. I I don't even like young people, uh, teenagers being segregated during Sunday school. I think, I think, in fact, for the most part, I think Sunday school should be taught by the pastor in the sanctuary. I don't even like it, you know, hey, here's the old, here's the Sunday school for the seniors, you like the older, older people, the 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 elderly people, how, however you want, whatever the correct term is. Here's the here's the Sunday school class for women, here's the Sunday school class for men, here's the Sunday school class for them combined, here's the Sunday school class for singles, here's the Sunday school class for blonde people, here's the Sunday school class for brunettes, here's the Sunday school class for redheads, here's the Sunday school class for people with blues blue eyes, here's the Sunday school class with people from, I don't know, uh, you know, Irish descent, uh, whatever the case, it's like segregate as much as humanly possible. Why? It's the study of God's word. The pastor should be able to get, get everyone together. Let's, it's Sunday school hour. Let's break it down. I, 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 I just, I don't get this, but now the t- so you, I, I'm assuming you have children's church, you have teen church. I don't, do you have singles church? Do you have divorce church? I mean, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I'm not a fan of this, but this is Obviously, this kind of stuff is still going on in 2022. I was only in seventh or eighth grade, and just in 2020, uh, as an adult, I got to go to Indian Creek Baptist Camp, and I sat in the back with tears in my eyes before I preached, looking... Now we have church camps. So, so, so I told you, uh, that's why I was so transparent at the beginning. Basic, and I didn't even know. I, didn't, I hadn't listened to this first. Basically, every single thing that I told you I'm against... We're hearing 
still being promoted, still being talked about in 2022. Not, I'm getting the vibe that not much has changed in the way the church is approaching youth in 2022. I'm not, I'm not getting some great idea that, whoa, there's been a transformation in youth ministry. This seems like the same old, same old stuff that's been around forever. And while well, you look at the world today and you let me know, you let me know. And, and, and again, I'm not blaming the youth ministries. What I'm telling you is that youth gimmicks, all the ones you can come up with, don't produce Christians. God produces Christians by his sovereign work. All your techniques, all, you can make a lot of money by coming up with techniques. You can make a lot of money by having a church, a, a, a youth camp. You can, you can make a lot of, there's, there's, it's a billion dollar industry, industry youth ministry is. You can sell a lot of merchandise, but the reality is none of it produces Christians. Christians are produced by the sovereign work of God. And you know what God uses to produce Christians? The preaching of his word. You don't need gimmicks. You don't need tricks. You just need, hey, li- this is when church is. This is where we're all going to be. Let's listen to the word of God taught and preached. There you go. You don't have to segregate everyone. You don't need gimmicks. You don't need tricks. You don't, that's, and you say, well, but but how many people are going to get saved? Well, hopefully the people get saved are actually people getting saved by God and not being saved by my earthly manipulative techniques. Up at that same man so many years later, still with the heart of love and of care and of passion. And I'm just truly overwhelmed and I'm excited to see what God is going to do. When memories of the past supersede visions of the future, death comes. And so may we be grateful for the past 50 years. But may we say that if God does not come back in the next 50, and I truly believe that he will that we are experiencing the next page in the book of history. I want to tell you the reason why I'm here this week. You say, well, Brother Abdel, my friend, Brother Abdel Judah, a spirit-filled man, he invited me, uh, somebody else invited me to this conference. I was up at a little chapel. Um, matter of fact, some, a few of you, just a small group of you were there, Brother Abdel Judah asked me to preach at summer camp uh, just last year, not long ago. And I walked into the chapel and he had done the prayer hands. How many of you have ever seen the prayer hands before? Raise your hand. Many of you, especially if you're from here. The prayer hands is where he cuts out uh, hands and you, on first night of camp or conference or whatever it is, uh, you fill out your burdens, your prayer requests, and you tape them to the wall. And then each evening they have a time of prayer and you go pick somebody's hands. You don't know who they are, but you put your hands on those prayer hands and you pray for one another. Well, I was in that little chapel up there in northern Michigan, and I was just uh, walking uh, the chapel praying for, I was just there just to preach one morning, and, and, and was praying and asking God uh, for the message, and I began to, out of curiosity, read the prayer hands. And I've always, because God has given me so much, and a mom and dad who love me, and conferences like this, I've, I've had a burden, I, I want I want young people to see how real it is and how good it is. And I just know that there's only two kinds of people. The people that, the young people that love him because they know him. And the young people that would truly love him in authenticity if they knew him. And I was thinking those thoughts and just reading the hands when all of a sudden I found myself on the ground. I was on my knees just literally weeping and crying. I didn't plan to. I didn't think about it. Uh, Brother Abdel, it just, it just overwhelmed me as I read about what Satan is doing in our culture and especially to our young people, to you. See, here we go. So, hey, millions and millions and millions and millions of people have been changed by this conference. But then... I saw what Satan is doing to this generation. Well, wait a minute. So, like on one hand, it sounds like that the whole world is being overrun with the gospel. And then in the next minute, we're going to get to all the bad things that are happening within this generation. It, it's, it's just this never, I don't know, the, the contradiction in this is just hard for me sometimes to wrap my mind around, but you may not perceive it the same way. That's okay. That's why we do this. You get to hear their perspective. You get to hear my perspective. And I clearly, I am, look, I'm already very aware that my perspective when it comes to youth ministry is like, it's rejected. 
People think it's wrong. I understand. Nobody uh, basically agrees with me. I understand that. That's perfectly okay. But there, I, I just feel that there's got to be a voice out there offering something different since we've all done it the other way and, well... And I saw every hand. It had a story. I would like to share some of those stories, but no doubt some are in the room tonight. And it was just overwhelming to me, the brokenness, the burdens, many times for self and other times for brothers or sisters or parents. And it was so heavy. Literally, I, I wondered if I'd have a heart attack. I was like, oh my God, this is so horrible. This is, I mean, the burdens, uh, that the stories. And then I thought about how good God is and how God is ready and willing and he wants to raise up this generation to bear one another's burdens and to reach our own generation and I cried out to God and and I have seven children I have a church and a wife and God uh, has blessed me we have a schedule and all of these things but I found myself praying I said God if you will help me help these who have written the burdens on their hands and those that they represent and all the teenagers maybe Chicagoland teenagers I wasn't thinking of here I just said, God, teenagers, wherever they are, I love them, I care about them, even though I've never met you, many of you. And I said, God, if you will allow little old me to help in some little way. It wasn't long after that you called me, and I was like, whoa, I know why. He thinks he called me to preach here tonight, but somebody else called me. And I love you, and I care about you, and I know that the men on the platform, these men, they have a lifetime of proving it, of proving it. That they care about you and they love you. The Lord has laid this truth, these, this message upon my heart. I almost said these messages. How many of you ready here? Four or five, just right in the first slot. First Corinthians chapter number 10. Okay, so he, he, he has, his introduction basically moved from in a direction that led to what I'm about to give you, basically God has given me. Now, you know how I feel about that? Because I feel it's manipulative because it basically says, hey, you can't question my sermon. God gave it to me. You can't challenge it. God gave it to me. This is the message God gave to me. So you're basically hearing from God, not from me. And I, I know why preachers say that, but it, you got to understand the manipulative, the manipulative aspects of that. If I can get the word manipulative out, the, it, it's manipulative because it's basically saying you can't criticize it. You can't challenge it. He got it from God. No, this is the way it works. We get our sermons from our study of God's word and we're fallible. We're not infallible. God is not stepping in, making sure all of our sermons are right and everything is correct because, well, listen to 2000 years of church history, read sermons, how different they are and all the different, I mean, if God is giving all pastors their sermons, then there would be agreement theologically, doctrinally. There would, there would not be any need for multiple churches because we'd all be preaching the same thing, right? Oh, it doesn't work that way, right? Because we're fallible human beings trying to interpret an infallible book and we do so foul in a fallible way. Therefore, our sermons and, and all sermons contain truth, contain error, contain our own speculations, our own ideas, our own interpretations. So it, that's the way it works. But we like to make it more spiritual because it sounds better and it's just the language that we've adopted because that's the way it works, right? And, and we, we don't ever think about the implications. Well, if God is giving every pastor the sermon, so therefore every sermon is approved by God, well, then we would all be preaching and saying the same thing and there would be doctrinal unity in the church. But we're not all saying the same thing. So God can't be all giving us a message. I mean, that's just... Whenever I say things like that, it's like Christians will look at you like, I don't understand what you're saying. I've never thought about that. Why not? It's not that hard to figure out, right? It's pretty straightforward. So we're going to stop there. He's going to be in 1 Corinthians 10. So we're going to be in 1 Corinthians 10 when we do part two. We're going to start at the seven minute and 36 second mark. And we will, we will continue. This is going to be a long journey. And what our goal is, is simply to figure out how the church in 2022 is teaching young people, how the church in 2022 is approaching youth ministry. What we're trying to see, and, and I'm not saying that this is, again, comprehensive. This is one church. But according to him himself, this youth conference that we're listening to is the most influential ch church conference our youth conference ever. It's the most 
So if we're going to figure out what is what's going to influence this this generation, this is the youth conference to listen to because the way they are selling it, it's the most influential. It's the one to li- it's it's the one to listen to. So obviously, I did not know because I just chose it randomly because I just saw in my podcast feed. Um, this is I mean, we found the right one. I mean, like you can't say, well, no, no, no. You need to check out this youth conference. No, I don't. This is the one that's the most influential. You're going to be, no, no, no. You need to check out. No, don't, don't email me that. I found the most influential one. Are you, are you telling me the other one's most influential? Of course. Are you telling me the other one is better? Of course. And he's going to tell me his is better. And they're going to tell me theirs is better. And he's going to tell me that theirs have impacted millions and millions of lives. And the other one's going to tell me that they've impacted millions and millions of lives. And then the other one's going to tell me that they've impacted millions and millions of lives. And at this point, everyone on earth has supposedly been impacted and saved 13 times. At the same time, culture is literally obliterating and falling apart and burning to the ground and the end is near. Okay, So I don't know exactly how you reconcile those two things, but I hate to say it, Christianity is usually not so good at reconciling, I don't know, things and taking things to a logical conclusion. I know I'm being super negative. I'm not trying to be, but wow. All right, we'll stop there because we're an hour and five minutes. These reviews literally could go seven hours. I will be back today. We will, we will finish this one today. I promise you this. We will finish this one today. I may take just about a 10 or 15 minute break. And then, uh, I mean, we come right back in and we'll just go because we already have it ready to go. We're, we already know where, where we're at. So just be looking out if you want to keep up with everything we're doing. I'll make it simple. The Church One app, Church O-N-E, Church O-N-E. Download the app. Do a search for Theology Central. Boom. It becomes our app. You'll basically have the Theology Central app. Inside the app, go to the notification settings. Make sure all the notifications are on. You'll get notified as soon as that we're going live. Also, if you have the YouVersion Bible app, the YouVersion Bible app, you can just do a search for YouVersion Bible app in your mobile device. Once you download the app, look for Theology Central. Choose us uh, as basically your ministry of choice, your church of 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 choice. And uh, you'll see that we have a featured uh, Bible reading plan right now uh, where it has video interaction and devotional and all, and all kinds of content dealing with the minor prophets. Because if you're not, pay- if you haven't been paying attention, we are fast approaching an in-depth study of at least a number of the minor prophets. And I, I taught uh, a number, uh, basically the most comprehensive Bible study method that I think we can put together. Um, and we're going to be using that Bible study method to work on one of the minor prophets. But the Version Bible app, you can, you can follow along in our featured plan where you can start reading through and watching video Basically, explanations and introductions to the books. Um, you can do that. Also, on the YouVersion Bible app, we always uh, post when we're going to be going live, and you can literally listen to us from that. And that's an awesome opportunity since about 5 million people use the YouVersion Bible app. So just download the U, YouVersion Bible app, and uh, when you download it, do a search for Theology Central and choose us. We would really... Uh, uh, we just want to provide it to you. I love, a lot of people love the YouVersion Bible app. They love it. And uh, if you find it beneficial, well, then you just get the added bonus of following us. There you go. All right, so Church One, YouVersion. There you go. We'll be back in about five minutes, 10 minutes, maybe 15 minutes to uh, con- continue our examination of how the church is teaching youth in 2022. We haven't got to the sermon yet. That's what I'm interested in. And we're going to do that coming up next. Thanks for listening. Email me, newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. Have a great Saturday. God bless.